0: and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hey
1: everybody, welcome back to your Victory Podcast. Hope you guys are doing well. You've had a great week and you're coming to us today in a good state of mind. And if you aren't, welcome anyways. We are so thankful that you're here checking in with us again. Today we are talking about something really important. It's a part of a two-part series that we're going to do on Addictive Roots and that sounds really smart, Addictive Roots. Uh, that's not from Matt and I. That is actually from Ted Roberts, who we really appreciate in his book, Peer Desire. But we would recommend you reading that resource. But he talks about three kind of underlying issues that can lead us to pornography or other destructive behaviors, whether it's sexually or relationally, whatever. And so we're going to break that down today. We are going to talk about the first addictive route, which is family dysfunction. The other two will be personal trauma and addictive society, which will be we'll talk about next week. But today, it's going to be on family dysfunction.
0: Yeah, Braden was saying that every family has dysfunction. I'm like, speak for
1: yourself, bro. <laughs> our, our family is perfect.
0: Our kids are going to be great.
1: <laughs> he has a great family, I, I do admit. A really good family. <laughs>
0: But no, it's true, right? Like, every family has dysfunction. I remember growing up and, like, we'd hear about dysfunctional families or, you know, hear news stories or whatever. Like, oh, that family is dysfunctional. And then one day I just realized, I'm like, every family is dysfunctional. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> every true. single one of us. Uh, I, I mean, if you think about what's functional, functional is, like, when everything functions well. Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. And so every family has dysfunction and, and uh even just before recording here, I just came to mind. I was thinking, man, God was a perfect parent, and his kids rebelled. His his kids yeah. screwed up. Yeah. Uh, even when they were living in perfection living in paradise and so there's always dysfunction in families and so and so it's not a knock on our parents to identify this right. i mean some of you are are bitter and going man i want to identify all the dysfunction in my parents yeah. but
1: put it at the feet of your parents <laughs> it's your <laughs> yeah. fault yeah. yeah
0: and others are going man my parents were great and i don't want to make it you know seem like they were like they did a bad job but the importance of identifying some of these things is that God wants to come and he wants to to fill. He wants us to be made as whole as possible. He wants us to identify some things that are keeping us back. And so, and so for example, there's good and bad like in a certain character trait. I mean, say say, you know, parents can be really really loving. Well, maybe they're too loving. Maybe they go too far in their love and they enable a child. Or maybe, you know, a dad wants to be super militaristic and like uh, teach work ethic to my kids. Well, maybe they don't receive love. So there's always like a good and a bad to different character traits that we got to identify. And so when there's negative things to our parents, there's typically something uh, either positive to that too or if, say, a parent was abusive, there's not really a lot of positives that come from that other than, you, you know, you can have compassion for other people that have gone through that. But on uh, in looking at the parents, you can have a lot more grace and understanding why were they like that? I mean, they've probably had a lot of pain too. So looking at dysfunction doesn't make you bad. It doesn't make your parents bad. Um, but when it's identified, we also don't want to look at that and go, this is the reason that I screw up and it's too big of a thing for me to ever overcome.
1: Mm-hmm. Or you play the victim and you it's something outside of you. You put all the blame, like we talked about at your parents' feet and um, it's their fault and the way I am and I I don't need to take responsibility for any of these things and that's not what we're trying to do here. I think it's a great point you brought up, Matt, too, is that our our parents have given us so many good things, too, and we need to acknowledge that as well. Um, And for some of you out there, maybe your childhood was difficult and you can't really think of anything that your parents gave that maybe was was, um, the best or, you know, good teaching or or love even. Um, But part of what this is, is is, you know, we're not trying to Build like this ill will towards our parents or our family of upbringing. It is about just being aware and understanding that there are patterns and giving our parents some grace, as Matt said, because we have no idea. Often the the home that they were brought up in, we might see our grandparents and have an idea, but you know they came from came from a home and patterns and dysfunction as well too. So it's it's kind of this this cycle that can occur in our lives. But awareness is so beautiful because when we're aware of something, then God can work on it. And we can release that to him and just acknowledge these areas in our heart that maybe we need to just give to him. And we don't have to be a victim anymore. And we don't have to harbor this hurt and this pain. But family dysfunction is something that we all have to deal with on a level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We all have it, and I love my parents. My parents are great, but of course they weren't perfect, and they're they're bringing me up. And there was areas that I need to be aware of. Um, degrees of dysfunction. We we talk about really. There's there's degrees to this. Some of you out there may have had uh, situations where there was abuse or some really unkind things said to you. Maybe you just didn't feel love in your home. You know, very cold kind of home where you didn't feel safe and secure maybe you had a safe and secure environment but still there was something that maybe was a little off did cause you to, to act out certain ways and so there's degrees to this we acknowledge that we we understand that
0: i don't think i'll ever forget this time when i was interviewing ted roberts who who came up with these addictive roots that we're talking about and and i was talking to him and he's i mean he's he doesn't do a lot of interviews in fact i don't think he does any anymore it was a, it was a cool thing cool timing for us to be able to chat with him but he's, you know, he's over 80. He's His health is kind of going downhill. He's he's cutting back. But he's been speaking for decades. I mean, he's been doing this for 30 or 40 years, talking about pornography as a pastor, ministry leader, author. One of his big things is father wounds and talking about the trauma that comes from that and having Jesus heal your father wounds and identifying those things. And so after decades and decades of talking and speaking at conferences and working with so many men and putting programs together, He was sharing this story about his dad and that he never met his dad. And he said, I would just do anything. And then he started crying. He was breaking down. He's like, I would do anything just to hear my dad say, I love you. Mm -hmm. I love you, son. And he's crying. And I'm thinking, man, how many thousands of times has he told this story? And he's still feeling it. And so I remember seeing this and going, this is so powerful that he's still affected by this father wound, but that he's identified it. And I know from listening to him in other times, he didn't tell the story with us, but he told the story where, where the Lord said to him, and he was sitting in his church office as a pastor, and the Lord just said to him, I want you to thank your father. And he said, I don't even have, like, I've never met my dad. How could I thank my dad? I've never met him. And he said, the Lord said to him, thank him for life, for the gift of life. And so he said, he just sat there and just said, thank you, dad, for the gift of life. And he just broke down and started crying and weeping. And it it really was a work of the Lord in his heart where he was identifying dysfunction, but not the Lord wasn't saying, yeah, this is a dysfunction, identify it. And then just, you know, go on in sin, realizing that, you know, you're sinning because of the dysfunction. The Lord's like, no, I want to bring healing to your heart. Uh I want to bring it to a place where it's soft, where your heart is soft. And so he was able to then thank his father for the gift of life because there was nothing else his dad ever gave him. He never even met him. But then, you know, how many years or decades later, he's still is telling this story and his heart is breaking, but it was hard of like, he he was soft. He wasn't mad at his dad. He's just going, I wish that this happened, but there wasn't bitterness in his heart. Mm-hmm. And so the Lord wants us to identify dysfunction to go, you're not going to necessarily forget it, But your heart is going to be healed, and then you're going to be able to share with other people and impact them in the way that you were impacted.
1: Mm, That's so powerful. You know I've been able to experience something like that in my own life too because I mean I've shared a little bit about my story on podcasts um, with you guys but um, you may not know this my my mom and my dad love them great people wonderful people but my dad he's quote-unquote my stepdad uh, he I don't see him that way though he raised me adopted me as his own and he was in my life from the time I was five on and so he's seen him as my dad love him as my dad but You might be picking up on this. Um, There's brokenness in my family. So my biological father, I never knew him. He left before I was even, um, you know, I think I was just a few months old. And growing up, I remember my mom being a single parent to a degree. You know, I was really little, but I do have memory of being angry and not understanding. And I even remember a little bit of feeling numb, feeling rejected. I had feelings uh, that stemmed to that from what happened to me as a kid, even though I didn't even know my biological father. And I, being that you're numb, you know, usually there's not a lot of emotion over time that builds from numbness. Numbness just kind of is a blanket that you put over things, stopping you from feeling. And that doesn't mean that you don't have emotions, but I noticed this in myself, that if there was a, a moment of a time where I maybe felt a little rejected or an authority figure didn't affirm me in some way, you know, that that pain that maybe was hidden under that numbness would come out in ways that I never uh, recognized before because numbness hit it. And porn really tied into this because I would feel or look for feelings of acceptance in those, those images or those videos, right? And I never, it never worked, but I recognize these things. And I remember God really speaking to me about this, even though I didn't really, I didn't have a relationship with my biological father. I did end up meeting him a couple times, but it was weird for me because I, I had a dad, even though he was my stepdad, he was my dad. So it was odd for me, but I still had this pain from that. And I remember God just really telling you, you need to forgive him. You need to let this go and understand that he has brokenness and woundedness too. So I did. And you know what, uh, this was a process for me. And you know, in the moment when God said that, sure, I forgive him. But you know, forgiveness is a process because often there's, it's in the moment, you make the choice, absolutely. You make the choice, but the process, what I mean, is the emotional release that comes from that. That might take time. And for me, it started to unpack over time. And I completely forgive my biological father. And actually he, I I learned that he passed away a uh, a few years ago, but I completely forgave him. And it caused a release in my life in ways that I was able to deal with those feelings of rejection when they do come up sometimes in a healthier way. Does the pain still kind of you know kind of simmer around there? Sometimes? Sure, I feel pain for what happened to my family. Um, I, I feel pain for my biological father in the sense that he had his own stuff. But yeah, Matt, you're right. You know, you're able to share about these things and reveal how God's worked in them, and I don't put the blame at His feet or even my mom, or I don't put the blame on their feet. I, I've released them from, from anything in regards to my anger, or pain, or whatever else, and, and gave that to God. And I'm going to tell you that you know you can do that too, with your family. Even if it's hard, you can do it. Make the choice to forgive them, and then the healing is a process that will take time, but God's working in it, if you forgive. You know, choose to forgive.
0: Yeah, that's such a key piece, eh? The forgiveness piece, having grace, and you're right, like you choose to forgive, but it, it is a process to walk out and I used to say this phrase a lot, so to walk in forgiveness, like Jesus walked in forgiveness. He he wasn't trying to forgive people. He just did. Like he just forgave people, but he walked in it. Like he walked it out. And so sometimes it is a process and and we want to forgive quickly and we want to forgive fully, but we ought to be aware of where our heart's at too and continue to forgive for sure. So, I mean, I used to think like, man, 70 times seven, like forgive that many times. I'm like, how many many people are, are that offended or abused that they get 490 things happen to them every day Mm -hmm. that they have to forgive but then I realized I'm like it's actually not necessarily all these different things you have to forgive like sometimes it's just continual forgiving of the same thing that you just have to continue every time a thought pops up every time a feeling of anger pops up okay I'm going to forgive I'm going to forgive and this is really powerful for dealing with dysfunction and so how we know that we're that we have dysfunction and that we are affected negatively by it is if we haven't forgiven or we don't feel full forgiveness towards whatever happened in our family, towards the people involved, you know that you're negatively affected by dysfunction. And I'll even go as far as to say this. If you don't have any feelings of thankfulness towards what happened, you're not fully healed from the dysfunction. And the reason is because God says to be thankful in all circumstances. He says in Colossians 2 that when you're rooted in the Lord, you're overflowing with gratitude. You're abundant in thankfulness. And so it's a really hard thing to get to, but God can really change our perception and change our, the way that we view whatever's happened to us when there is dysfunction, when people have not treated us well, or, or you know, we're disappointed because of the childhood that we had. But when you can change your perception, get, God, get God's view on it, it's so powerful. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful that the Lord has changed my perception of whatever happened. And so then when you think about it, you're like, oh man, thank you, God. You don't, you're not always like just pumped about what happened, but it's like, when you think about that, your first thought is then, oh, thank you, God, that you brought me out of that and that Mm. you've used that in such a powerful way. And so this is why we want to identify dysfunction is so that you can use it. God can use it through your life in a powerful way. And one thing that I've done that I love is I just pray to God. I'm like, what do you want to reveal? What's something in my life, in my heart, in my family? It's not just in family dysfunction, but in anything, like, what do you want to reveal? so often we have you know an idea of how we we're affected by things or we just don't know and we have like things in our life that are a mess and we don't know why and it's like man when you just pray and you ask God hey what do you want to reveal sometimes he'll do it in the moment sometimes he'll do it you know, some. I mean, one time I remember I was just walking around a conference and going from booth to booth, and I had this thought come to mind, and I'm like, "Whoa, that was random," mm. but he just revealed something, <laughs> right? right? And so sometimes when we just have this prayer life of like, "Hey, reveal what's going on in my life," God will start to reveal things, and 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 they'll start to make a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, it's the, you're speaking right out of Psalms 139 right now, and I love that because we're talking about that verse. And it, you know, search me, God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, the posture uh, of this, the the psalmist here, the the writer of this, of having open hands to say, search me, God, you know, kind of what you're talking about, Matt, you know, I think that when you have thankfulness for something, you have an awareness of something, you have an awareness of how God's worked, what he's brought you out of, you are aware of it, so you can be thankful. And this is the, the prayer when we ask this, if you know, if you're hard to God, if you have a wall up against him and you are refusing to really reveal or ask God to reveal these things in your life, it's one of those things where it, it's just, you're, you're not going to see any measure of freedom really, because this is the, this verse here, the posture that you take. And I know these things can be painful when you ask God to search your heart and reveal something that maybe is, is offensive. That's a big prayer. Like And, and often um, we feel that it's um, exposing us to a degree because there's some things we don't want to reveal or to even think about or, you know, we've, we've just covered memories with just dirt and we've put it in a, the corner of our lives that we never want to visit. And um, so that's why we have a hard time with this. But you might be un- forgotten for you, at least um, by covering it with dirt in your life, but the behaviors are stemming out of that, that maybe you're, you are aware of, or maybe you're not. They're there. You know, if you have anger from your family of upbringing and you're angry and you don't want to deal with that anger, I, mean, I guarantee you that pattern of behavior, it isn't just going to magically go away. You know, you got to unpack that box and and acknowledge that you have anger. So search me, God, right? Yeah. <laughs> Show me these things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cool. I mean, so it's just, it's kind of funny. Like, like growing up, I knew, I knew that my dad, loved me and the reason I knew is because he would do anything for his kids like I have one sister and then me and he would do anything like he would put uh, us before him before him he would give us his food he would do anything and so sometimes it'd be annoying like I'd come up to my I remember in junior high always I'd come up and uh, into my room at night, and it would just be like ice cold, like freezing, and my fan was like out of control, and it made so much noise in <laughs> the top of my room. And it would be on like high or like extra high, like just going so fast. And I'm like, "Why is this on?" And my dad would be like, "Oh, I just wanted to cool for you." I'm like, "Dad, like you're driving me crazy here." Like, "Oh, I was just doing it for you. I thought it'd be best for you." And just like continue on. Like the next day, same thing. I'm like, "Dad, please, I don't want to sleep in an ice box," <laughs> but uh, I knew that that like he just would go overboard and do anything and like he'd be you know walking by my room and he wouldn't just not think of me he'd think oh this would be nice for Matthew to turn the fan on and make his room ready for him Uh, and so this is just how my dad is but then you know I moved into my 20s and you know i'm mid 20s and he's trying to just give me money randomly for no reason that i don't need and sounds good to me yep. yeah <laughs> <laughs> but and it would have been fine honestly but i knew the pattern in his life right, was to great. go a little bit far in enabling right and so otherwise i would have been like yeah for sure take, take i'll take it <laughs> but But he was, it was just this pattern that I'm like, I want to be independent, dad. Like there's too many things that you've done for me that you haven't let me grow up in different things. Like I want to be able to grow up and it wasn't like my own, like, oh, I want to prove that I'm independent. It wasn't that. It was like, I just want my dad to understand. Like, and I I remember one time I said to him, you raised me well enough that I can be a functional adult. Like you raised me well enough. Allow me to prove that to you. Mm -hmm. And so I put it back on him like that. And he's like, okay, but. I remember in this same time period where he just continually would try to give, and my sister's older, he's still trying to give her money, and, and oh, I just want to make sure that you're okay, like, no, we're okay, dad, and so, then I, I but I said to him, I'm like, dad, do you realize that, like, your dad still gives money to your sister, who's, like, say <laughs> 70, and, like, she's totally dependent? on him and that you have a brother who's like a homeless guy on schizophrenia and your dad gives him money every month and he just spends it on drugs yeah and your dad keeps on doing it Mm. and so i realized his pattern and so my dad's like oh yeah i see that i'm like do you think it's healthy (laughs) and so he was able to then identify it in his own life too wow but i then could see the grace or have grace for him because i'm like oh this is just how my dad was raised sure he should have identified it he should have broken that pattern but I, wanted, I want to break the pattern. Yeah. So now I break it.
1: Man, that's so powerful, man. That's like the wisdom there is great because I think that sometimes we have, like we can, the two ends of extremes with our response to our parents and even as we grow up out of, out of that home, you know, one end is like we have this unhealthy kind of dependency on our parents to the level that we will run to them and, and expect them to remove the problems from our life. We will be dependent on them in an unhealthy way. I think it's good to have, you know, feel that level of like your home with your parents, you feel safe and secure that you do, you have a level of relationship with them where there is some, you know, you, you do, you can depend on them in a good, healthy way. But if it goes too far extreme, You can't be an adult in life because you need your parents. Like you've never cut the umbilical cord, so to speak, right? And you need them for everything. So that's one of the extreme. And that can be a response into your adult life where you can't function. You need someone to always rescue you in life. You don't have a dependency on God. You have it on your parents in an unhealthy way. And then the other end of the extreme is you really couldn't stand The home that you grew up in, you saw patterns that you're like, you made vows, right? You know, like, I will never be like dad. I will never be like mom. I will never raise up my kids in a home like that. You make these vows, which are very powerful and very damaging often. Um, And that's a whole other podcast we could do. But anyways, when you go that extreme and you reject the 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 home that you're brought up, and some of you might feel like you have really good reasons for this. Maybe there was like some really traumatic, abusive stuff that you saw—verbal abuse, emotional abuse, mental abuse, whatever. Um, But you go that extreme and you you reject everything there. That's not healthy either. So these two ends aren't, you know, they they're really can be destructive for you in your adult life. And as you move towards, you know, if you get married or you have kids or whatever else, these patterns, even though you, you don't recognize these extremes, these extremes are lived out in everyday life often. And um, so recognizing them is really important. And again, it isn't about... Being a victim or blaming or you know not taking responsibilities but hey this is just be real this is what I grew up in this is maybe I own the behavior maybe I was too dependent on my parents maybe I rejected my parents outright and I don't see any good in them whatever else like you, you both aren't helpful they're not good for you now and they weren't good for you then or they're not good for you in the future
0: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so you might be listening and thinking okay but like how does this relate to pornography <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <And> <laughs> how does this relate to my sexual issues but man it it, it relates very clearly and not every story does but yeah. there's just a, a couple of things that I could share I mean I remember one guy it was so beautiful was so powerful he was he's um, over 40 and and just carried so much guilt so much shame heaviness and so whenever something would go south in life in a friendship in a you know work environment in his marriage he'd always go well what did I do wrong what did I do wrong like me personally I can't relate to that because I don't think like that but I might think a different way I might think like oh it's the other person's fault too much and not want to look at my own life right and so I'm aware of that and then I'm like I'm a, trying to train myself okay what did I do wrong what can I think differently I want to you know look at the look at the plank in my own eye because that's not necessarily my default but this guy that was it was like oh what did I do wrong and so much guilt and so he just got to the point where he couldn't handle the guilt and the thoughts that he would just go to porn which he was like but then it would just compound it didn't make sense like why would I do this but he just felt so guilty and didn't have a release and so I just said like when was the first time that you felt guilty? And he's like, man, when I was a kid, my dad just made me feel guilty about everything. Mm, mm. He would he would get mad at my mom because of what a disappointment I was. And I would see him getting mad at my mom and I would know that it was my fault. And then my dad, he, he goes, my dad had a heart attack and died. They said it was because of stress and I knew it was because of me because mm. he, I was such a disappointment wow. to him. And he was you know so affected by this and told me just great long stories of, of like all the different ways of like at this point and this point and this, this point I disappointed my dad like the whole way through. And so we worked through it and I remember this time it was so so beautiful. It was we were doing a, it was in a coaching relationship so we were meeting once a week or every couple of weeks one on one. And and I remember this time he came to me he'd processed it. He'd wrote down all of the different major events that he felt guilty about in his childhood and with his dad and and he came to me and he goes, "Matt, his eyes were like tearing up. He was feeling light. He goes, I just realized for the first time that my dad loved me. Hmm. And I'm st- I started crying. He started crying. I said, buddy, like we're two grown men crying here together. <laughs> but but he, he literally like he, he realized that in certain moments where he was so focused on the pain of disappointing his dad that he's like, I didn't even consider that what my dad was doing was loving towards me. And you might not understand the details because I'm not sharing the details, but but there were just there's always things that we miss in a story. And so his dad was doing things that were loving, but he felt like he was disappointing his dad. And so he never received the love. And so he after he had this revelation, I would ask him, like every time we'd meet, how's the guilt? Oh, I don't even feel guilty. And like things happened in his life, like business things and things. I'm like, how do you handle this? Do you feel guilty? Not really. I don't really feel guilty. And, and I said, how's, how's things with porn? He's like, I don't even think about it. Like the family dysfunction was identified and then healed and the porn addiction totally went away. It was mm-hmm. really
1: cool. Wow. Man, that's so powerful. I you got the imagery like when you're talking about. It like, so the family dysfunction and then personal trauma. These are often like these festering wounds in our life that behavior comes out of. And it's important to address these wounds and deal with what, what's causing them and, and and to get healing. And often... Porn is like the the salve, you know. Like salve is that the right word? Is that the medical term for whatever ointment you put on? Anyways, you're smarter than <laughs> me, so I'll just go with it. Salve. <laughs> Sorry, people, from I'm if bad and said it. That's what there. I'm going with. Yeah, and it's not correct. But anyways, it's something that you think will heal this festering wound, and it's not working. Actually, it just it. And, and this is this is why you know we we think porn's the biggest issue in our life, but it isn't. It really isn't. It's just what we're using to put ointment on these these festering wounds that we think will help, uh, maybe you don't think it helps, but this is what you're doing anyway. So that's why it's so important, like Matt, the story that he was sharing, powerful, right? Like when you deal with that wound and you get some healing in that wound, the freedom you experience is so powerful. You don't have to go to that, you know, the, the pornography or bad relationships or certain destructive behavior anymore that maybe you felt has, has made you feel better on a level. Now you can have freedom. And, and that's why we need to own some of these areas.
0: Yeah, I mean there's just a couple others. I mean there's so many stories that we could share, but just to, I would just want to share a couple others just to just quickly just to give different people different ideas like, oh, well maybe this is how it's affected me. There's two people that I can think of and I just think the world of both of these people, but they are riddled in insecurity. And one of them even said to me, and I would never have thought this about this person, like this person is a leader I respect him, I look up to him. And he said to me, Matt, if you want to talk about insecurity, I am Mr. Insecurity. That is just who I am. And I was like, wow, really? Like it was like, who am I talking to right now? Like, I, I don't think that about you at all. But he he, he struggles with sexual things. And, and it's because when there's insecurities or thoughts of insecurity, he can't go to his wife or he can't go to people because he's like, I just know that that will feed my insecurity if I open up and people will judge me. And so... Um, anyways, he shared about his his dad growing up. And his dad, and I forget the details to be honest, but there was something there where because of that relationship, he just knew ever since he was a kid that he was insecure and he's never gotten over it. And there was this other guy that, man, I think the world of this guy too. He's, oh man, I, I just, I love being around this guy. I love chatting with him. He's awesome. But he, one of the very first things he ever said to me was he said, I am insecure. And, and he told me this story when he was like seven or nine years old or something where he did something that just kids do, but it wasn't like it was naughty or whatever, but as you know, kids do it. And so his, one of his parents just, I think his mom just looked at him and said, you're insecure. That's why you did that. And he just took it like, okay, (laughs) I guess I'm insecure. And now he's over 40 and he still just lives insecure and, and it's affected very clearly and very directly. Uh, his sexual life and in his marriage and with pornography and so there's just different things where it might be like a whole lifestyle in your childhood that led to this or it might be one comment from your parents that that you just take where there's that dysfunction there and if you
1: never deal with it it's going to lead into dysfunction as an adult yeah so we based on these stories and even stuff in our own life we would just encourage you out there to pray that prayer you know search me god See if there's anything in my heart, and we're talking about family dysfunction here. You know, if there's something, a pattern, um, behavior that has stemmed out of these areas or just something that you need to, you know, either release to God, reveal to God, reveal to others even that are trusted in your life and talk about these things. The awareness of this is going to help you because you start to recognize some of those, those open wounds maybe that are still there and how you've had behavior come out of those areas and then the freedom you're going to receive by acknowledging them and allowing God to work in those areas is going to be very powerful for you. And then you can turn around and and share these things even um, in helping others too. So, I mean, this, this is the beautiful thing about what God does in our lives. He heals us. And then our story brings help and hope to people. And I'm not that we're asking you to go start another podcast like we're doing here. Hey, you can if you want. We encourage you. But uh, just in those, those moments and time in life where someone needs hope, um, just like what we're sharing with you today, we hope what we are sharing with you is hopeful. Man, I said hope a lot there. <laughs> You're a hopeful (laughs) guy. I'm a hopeful guy. But that's what we want to just bring for you today. And, you know, next week we are going to talk about the other two addictive roots personal trauma, the addictive society that we're in. But family dysfunction, that's an important one that we all need to address. So thanks, guys, for journeying with us and listening in today. We will check in with you next week.
0: Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you'd like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.